This is a quarter hour podcast. Um, it's uh, 11.35 a.m. Arabian Standard Time. This is Omar WJ speaking. It's, uh, let's see, like 46 degrees outside, somewhere around that. Maybe maybe 45. Uh, my, it's 111 Fahrenheit. My phone gives me... Um, temperatures in Fahrenheit now, and I've uh, I haven't gone through the settings to uh, see where it's at um, I've got some more recordings about Pegasus today that uh, Israeli spyware eventually is that a tool NSO thought was untraceable does in fact leave traces Tiny bits of Pegasus code disguised as boring, ordinary Apple iOS code. File names tweaked ever so slightly. Instead of an L, it might be an exclamation mark. Instead of an O, they might use a zero. Because of the work of these investigators, by the beginning of this year, it was becoming increasingly possible to figure out if a phone had been infected with Pegasus. All we needed was clues about whose phones to look at. And then... Early this year, in an office in Paris, sitting in front of a laptop, we got that leak. More than 50,000 people identified as potential targets by governments with access to Pegasus. Now, we know that not every phone in that list was hacked, but over the past months, Amnesty's lab, they're the technical partners of the Pegasus project, were able to test 40 of the iPhones that appeared in that leak, ones that hadn't been reset or replaced since they were listed iPhones block the kinds of information that can reveal a Pegasus hack. Of those 48 phones, 33 of them, nearly 70% had evidence of Pegasus activity. And there was more. When we looked at when Pegasus had made contact with these phones that we tested, the timing tightly correlated with the dates and times in our leaked data. I guess uh, China is buying up farmland. Um in the USA. I just watched this video with from the South China Morning Post about uh, um, mudslides in Mumbai. This is the monsoon and this guy says it happens every year and the government isn't taking care of them. Um, government says they want to move people out of the bad areas and they shut down water because a water treatment plant has been flooded it's too bad for those people 230 were shot dead in the USA the 4th, 4th of July weekend 618 were wounded it is now down to 39 at Gitmo the Pentagon has confirmed the release of Abdul Latif Nasir back to his home country of Morocco after spending nearly 20 years at Guantanamo Bay, never having been charged with any crime. Now, he was picked up back in 2002 in Afghanistan, attempting to flee into Pakistan and was allegedly tied to al-Qaeda as a weapons and explosives expert. This is a sign that President Biden will fulfill the Obama-era promise to finally shut down the detention center. So here to discuss Gus, co-host of Watching... Well, the rest of my days, that's going to be a black mark on the USA.
phones belonging to hundreds of journalists, activists and politicians have been hacked by governments using spyware owned by Israeli surveillance company, the NSO Group. The Israeli firm has called the investigation's findings exaggerated and baseless. Okay, um... Originally, when we started studying Pegasus in 2016, uh, a target would have to click on a link sent via SMS in order to facilitate the infection of the phone. If you didn't click on the link, the phone wouldn't get infected and wouldn't be able to be monitored. But around 2017 or 2018, NSO Group appears to have released a major update to the Pegasus system, which allows governments to hack into phones with a so-called zero-click technique. This means the target does not need to click on anything. They don't need to take any action. Their phone could be sitting on a table. Uh, one minute it's fine, the next minute it's hacked. And once it's hacked, the government can access everything on the phone. They can get messages, they can turn on the microphone and listen into conversations happening near the telephone. They can take pictures through the camera, they can take passwords, contacts, track GPS location. Basically anything you can do as the owner of the phone, or you can see uh, the operator of the spyware can do or see. A major hub for this technology is Israel. Uh, so the Israeli government has for many years encouraged the development of a local cyber industry, including companies like NSO Group, as well as other companies that sell similar tools like Candiru, which we published an investigation on last week. And this whole ecosystem of companies, it's not just like there's one bad apple company that's selling to repressive governments who are then using it against journalists. It's a, a systemic problem with the whole industry. And okay. Anything for a buck. Standing at Mount Arafat is considered the high point of the Hajj ritual. The day before, known as a Tarwiyah, sees the pilgrims gather at the Mina Valley to prepare for the climb. Arafat is where they will stand for most of the day, addressing the sky with their personal prayers. Last year, at the first Hajj since the coronavirus pandemic struck, only 1,000 people were allowed to attend. This year, there will be 60,000, all from within Saudi Arabia. In previous years, there will be more than 2 million from around the world. Sure. When I realized that I'm one of only 60,000 people doing this Hajj, and when I compare it to those who did it with the Messenger of God, peace be upon him, being more numerous, there were about 100,000. I feel as part of a group who have been privileged by being able to do this Hajj ritual. Praise be to God. The fact that God the Almighty has chosen us from these millions to be able to reach this holy site, we take it as a sign that, God willing, our worship is accepted and our prayers are answered. The contrast with how it looks now to a few years ago is stark. This was 2018, and this now. To this young man, there was something uncanny about the place. There's a sense of sakina, of holy, silent, luminous bliss up here. It's a bit cloudy up there, and no one around here. By God, it's like I'm in a dream. I don't know how to describe it, really. The Saudi authorities took unprecedented security and safety measures that went beyond masks, vaccines, and social distancing. 
The so-called unified security operations 9-11 plan for the Hajj of 2021 included a host of procedures adopted for the first time. Of course, this year's pilgrimage is completely different and exceptional. No pilgrim can access the holy site except through the four reception centers assigned by the ministry. Also, pilgrims cannot enter any camp except through the smart gate. Those attending had to be aged between 18 and 65, vaccinated and free of chronic diseases. Okay, um, let's see what else I got here. Nelson Mandela would have been 101 today. The great anti-apartheid fighter, musician Johnny Clay, passed away from pancreatic cancer. There was that unforgettable moment when Mandela, freed from prison, appeared on the stage with Clegg to sing and dance together at the death of apartheid. And in the midst of all this, hope and memory, Jacob Zuma, the former ANC leader and South African Prime Minister, is being investigated for a massive corruption by the Zondo Commission. Townships where the teeming masses were the heart of the revolution that were through apartheid continue to grow, as is the poverty in South Africa that spawns them. On this day, we'll reflect on what has happened to South Africa. Why has the revolution seemingly failed? Why has corruption consumed so much of the leadership? Why is the economy still in the hands of the few? Where is the hope and promise of what this was to the world? We're joined by Rasegan Maharaj, activist, scholar, and professor at Stellenbosch University in the city of Ashwane. Hope I said that right, it'll correct me, in Kaltong province in the Republic of South Africa. <laughs> and welcome, good to have you with us. So uh, let's do begin there. I mean, I think that, you know, it just seemed all come together for me. Um, most of us of a certain age, especially, will never forget the moment that apartheid died, that Mandela was free, what that meant, joy from left to, to progressives to liberals across the globe, that this has happened. So uh, talk about your analysis of why the corruption seems so rampant. We have the Zuma trial, which we'll talk about in a moment, and what the heart of that means. But what you, your, your, your analysis about where we've come in these last 30 years and why? So I think, Mark, uh, it's quite important to recognize the moments that we see, especially those that have been captured by the media itself, represent highlights in a long, very convoluted struggle that has basically taken place, at least in an organized form, over a century. In the last uh, quarter of a century, uh, and in a global context as well, South Africa underwent extreme stress. And during that time, the mobilization both of internal forces as well as an international campaign uh, portrayed the apartheid regime as the, as the pariah that it existed, committing a crime against humanity, all helped bolster a push towards rendering the apartheid regime ungovernable. In other words, making it impossible for the apartheid regime to operate as it had done all the way until the 1980s. What became commonly known as the anti-apartheid struggle, therefore, saw the end of apartheid. But the removal of apartheid did little in and of itself to remove racial capitalism. And so what we had was racial capitalism continuing, but now being negotiated uh, in terms of a post-apartheid settlement. The constraints in... Okay, um... Let me see what's on Reuters. I didn't. Sorry, I haven't looked at uh, AP News yet today. Um, 
you know, the news really doesn't change. Um, oh, there's, uh, I mean, COVID's going up against amongst the people that didn't get vaccinated in the USA. And this one woman interviewed on NBC News said she was scared of the vaccine. Okay, and, um, you know, like, like I said, I never heard of rabies. You know, like I, I was on the farm for 17 years and I never heard of any, any rabies cases. But um, they vaccinate all the dogs at animal shelters. And I guess, uh, I don't know if they vaccinate cats for rabies either. Um, It's just, um... It's 11.47. Here are your top stories. Okay, just a moment here. Biden walks back his recent comments on Facebook. The U.S. and allies around the world accuse China of hacking into Microsoft. It's a nice picture of, um... U.S. coastlines could face increased flooding in the 2030s, and the culprit, a phenomenon NASA calls a moon wobble, mixed with rising sea levels caused by climate change. A key factor identified by NASA scientists is a regular wobble in the moon's orbit, first identified in the 18th century that takes 18.6 years to complete. The moon's gravitational pull helps drive the Earth's tides. The alarming prediction pushes previous estimates for serious coastal flooding forward by about 70 years, the study showed. NASA's sea level change team lead, Ben Hamlington, explains the prediction. So in the coming decades, as sea level continues to increase from global warming and it's increasing across the globe, the combination of sea level rise associated with global warming and then natural drivers of sea level variability, so the things causing sea level to go up and down just naturally in in the ocean, are gonna to combine to cause coastal flooding. And what we found is that this increase in coastal flooding is really going to be um, increased significantly in the coming decades, specifically in 2030 to 2040. Hamlington says the study should be eye-opening and cautioned that city planners should prepare accordingly. Peru's electoral authority on Monday named socialist Pedro Castillo as the country's next president. His supporters celebrated across the capital, Lima. Fifteen diplomatic missions in Afghanistan, as well as a NATO representative, called for a Taliban ceasefire on Monday as fighting escalates. It comes just hours after a peace meeting in Doha failed to agree on a ceasefire. Afghan leaders met with the Taliban's political leadership in the Qatari capital over the last two days. But a Taliban statement late on Sunday made no mention of a halt to rising violence. Australia, Canada, the EU and Germany were among those calling for the Taliban to halt offences. The Taliban has made sweeping gains as the US has withdrawn troops. They have captured several districts and border crossings in the north and west. I don't know what's up with with my... American tennis star Coco Gauff said on Sunday that she will not compete in the Tokyo Olympics after testing positive for COVID-19. 
The 17-year-old was set to become the youngest Olympic tennis player since 2000, but instead joined a number of the world's top players who have already pulled out of the Tokyo Games. In a post on Twitter, Goff said, quote, It has always been a dream of mine to represent the USA at the Olympics, and I hope there will be many more chances for me to make this come true in the future. Goff was going to compete in both the singles and doubles competitions. Several of the sport's biggest names, including Rafael Nadal, Roger Federer, Serena Williams, and Simona Halep, have already announced their decision to skip the Tokyo Games, which are scheduled to begin on Friday. Okay, um, let's see. So that's uh, 16 and a half minutes. This is Omar WJ, always seeking to entertain first, instruct secondly. Hopefully, um, you found some entertainment there today. Please tune in next time.